now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from SNH Green Stamps. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. A perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh-huh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the sauce drain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. About two or three minutes, if you have it in the ice box, to heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Hi, this is Muffin, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. My oven is ready and waiting for you. Hello, and welcome to Eat It, a half podcast about food and eating it. I am your host tonight, Benicio Del Taco, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, um, <laughs> Mr. Lunchy Boyington. Hello! <laughs> hello, and that's exactly how Lunchy Boyington would say hello. Yes, it is! <laughs> hello! I you like don't happen to have any lunch with you? I like me the lunch. The hot lunch. <laughs> Well, I should say hola, because today we're covering a subject near and dear to both of our hearts, Mexican food. We are. Mexican food. I want you to forget everything that you think that you know and think that you tasted about Mexican food, because we are going to give you a full education, like being at the Biblioteca. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I remember from from, uh, Spanish class. Biblioteca. Bibliotac- it's the Bibliotaco, the Bibliotacaria. Exactly. <laughs> it, I think that, that we have, uh, being that my father is Mexican, I oh. consider myself a little bit 
knowledgeable in a subject. And I know that you uh, have a good Mexican backstory that we have touched uh, before mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hurt to give people a refresher on mm-hmm. how you came to uh, came to experience the wonders of Mexican food and, and food in it, general. Yeah, and food in at, general. At Maria's Mexican Restaurant at the Village Gate Mall in, in Rochester, New York, for my, the greatest boss of all time, Jesus Manuel Duarte. Now I have to ask you: Was this the restaurant that we went to when I spent a few days over there? No, that wasn't the one I worked at. Although I have worked a few shifts over there, and I've spent, and that was where the Christmas party used to be. I spent a lot of time in that restaurant because it was the family restaurant. Now, Jesus, Jesus has passed, and had passed like a couple years before you came up here. But um, there were he he ran the restaurant in the Village Gate, which was in the city of Rochester. And that restaurant had sprung from the original restaurant, which was in the back of an old church, hidden away in in one of the suburbs of Rochester. And that's where, you know, he and his wife, when they when when his wife came here from San Salvador, that's where they opened up their restaurant. And then, so that was the mother restaurant. There isn't the the other Maria's has changed owners and has another name has a lot of the same recipes but for the experience of like what it would have been like going into the restaurant when I worked there um, the one in Webster where where you went that's about as close as you're gonna get that's about you know that the, the people who were making the food that day were the same people who were making the food when I was working at the other restaurant it was okay you know his 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 wife was working uh, Jesus's wife was working there the other cook that I worked with worked with at the restaurant Heiko, his wife was also working there, and um, um, Jesus's two daughters also worked there, and I think one of them was working that day. So they were all people. They were all like family members, you know, from from that restaurant. I I mean I saw his da- his daughters are both married and have kids now, and you know I remember when they were little. You know, one of them was four and one of them was six when I first started working there as a dishwasher. So and and it's and it's funny that the kitchen in there is half Mexican and half um um I believe um um Vietnamese women. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That just uh, uh, it was it's a, it's a it's a family and they got that you know a bunch of family members got in the kitchen there and then they they're great people so they're great people to work with so they you know that they, they, they've been working there for 20 years now or more probably more now jeez well i i take i take it for granted because i was i grew up in the bay area where you know i yeah. was surrounded by mexican food and and i have to say that when you came uh here to queens everyone was impressed with um with the way you you roll tortillas with the way that you uh that you were able to fill tamales and of course we've mentioned before the refried beans is is was there a light shed moment you think that you remember tasting like real mexican food and saying hey well this is this is truly in my opinion one of the great one of the world's great cuisines i mean my first day there i i experienced that you know for one i was broken hungry and desperately looking for a job 
and you know literally came in and they said oh yeah are, are you hungry you know you you get a, a meal every shift you know you want it beforehand you look like you're hungry <laughs> that sort of thing and uh the funny thing about it is uh when i went in to fill out the application the boss's son who wasn't really a son he was a white kid but he's was the son from a former marriage that he had just you know he had just like the, the, the kid didn't know who his father was and his mother was a mess and he had just, you know, you're my son, you know, because he'd bonded with him at a young age. So he was working there and he was the one who gave me my application and he was super. I have millions of stories about him. Someday we should do just a show just about the restaurant. I should do a storytellers episode just about the restaurant because I could do about three or four hours easily just on the people that work there. But I got the job because the boss's son, they they were looking uh, dishwasher. And it's funny. We were just on uh, Facebook, and I noticed you, you tagged someone on a post. It was about this guy and uh, who got arrested, and he has that um, head head disease where his head oh, has shoot, these deep, deep ridges oh in God. it. <laughs> right, that. right. Well, the dishwasher I replaced had that same syndrome. Oh and uh, was named Clarence. And Clarence was an alcoholic and didn't show up for work one day. So they were desperate for a dishwasher. And they had my and they called him Alien Nation because of his <laughs> ridgy head. And uh, <laughs> so Clarence didn't show up for work for a couple days. So they needed a dishwasher. And I got a message on my machine. And they said, hey, if you want to come in and work, come in and work he right now. He went back to the mothership. And... Uh, and because the boss's son had handed the guy the application, he goes, "What do you think of this guy?" And he said, "Oh, he's 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 a good guy. I know. I think I know him. I think I've met him before, and uh, I think he'd work out really good." And uh, so I got the job. Never met the guy before in my life. So yeah, the first meal. I, I, oh, that's right. The first meal I had there was a, a burrito, which they they called enchilada style, which is a wet burrito, and. I immediately noticed it, it was beef, bean, and cheese with enchilada sauce on top, and then and then uh, mozzarella cheese, shredded mozzarella cheese on top, underneath the broiler, and um, oh boy, it was unlike. And the rice and the beans were unlike anything I'd had. Frozen burritos, you know, Seven Eleven style grocery store exactly. burritos. I was right there. I'd worked in a burrito, worked in the burrito section of the college union cafeteria making burritos for people with big you know um flour tortillas out of a bag that i would fold into sort of a square sort of thing you know basically a, a variation of of the frozen 7-eleven burritos always with ground beef you know and bland beans and cheddar cheese and you know the beef there was was stewed and flavored and delicious and juicy and shredded and uh yeah I, I i noticed immediately that it was a completely different level of mexican food than what i was used to which was basically seven you know Seven Eleven frozen stuff taco taco kits from ortega from oh. the store and um taco bell <laughs> you well, know up to that point i i probably gonna tick off a lot of people you know i can appreciate taco bell for for what it is, for what it is. And, and chilies you know but taco bell set my people back two thousand years i mean i i uh if you've never had 
real Mexicans. If you don't live in a in a city or a community that has you know a, a pretty good Mexican population, then you're really going to have to hunt, or you're going to have to to do it yourself. Uh, be, but like you said, you have that watershed moment once you taste true Mexican food. It it makes it hard to go back. You're looking at at two cultures blended together. You have mm-hmm. the Spanish and of course the the Mexicans, and they blended their their food together in such a perfect way. I mean, tortilla in Mexico is totally different than a tortilla in Spain, which is in Spain it is an egg dish right. with potatoes. It's an omelet, but the Spaniards when they got to the New World, that they were given you know corn tortillas, and the closest thing they could they could picture in their mind was the shape of their tortillas back in Spain, and hence the name. And you know, over you know hundreds of years, that I think the cuisine melded into something that that is terrific. I mean, uh, anywhere in the Bay Area where I was growing up, and still to this day, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be there, and the first place I hit for lunch is just the taco truck, and the food that I get out of the taco truck is better than almost anything that I can mm-hmm. find here in Queens. I mean, in New York, basically you have uh, pizza. You have Italian, Chinese, and maybe to some extent Thai food. And that's about people. I, I think that. How about Indian food? Indian food is great too. Mexican food, I don't think that here in the East Coast it's found its, its footing yet. At least not true Mexican food. If I mean, you ever have, find anybody uh, in New York City who's like a rich, you know, investor in restaurants who wants to set up a restaurant, I'll come up, I'll come up and uh, be the head chef. Hey, uh, you know, you can find good Mexican, Mexican food, food in the in the city, you know, white napkin. Yeah, and you know, right. if you find if you find the Mexican population, you're going to eat good and you're going to eat cheap. But there's just no comparison. I mean, I I grew up around it my entire life. My father is a great great Mexican food uh, cook. I I ate at a place in 2002 on Houston Street. Not too far from uh, where CBGB's once was. That was a little little taco stand, and it was the guy reminded me so much of my of Jesus Duarte that it wasn't funny. He was the only guy in there. You could tell he was the owner, and he was sitting there with all his wares in front of him. And I just came in and I'm like, "What should I order?" And he goes, "The tamales." And I said, "Okay." And I got a couple tamales from him, and of course I got like rice. You got to get rice and beans. Just that's like if I go to a diner, you got to check out the the meatloaf. But uh, got got to get some rice and beans to see what his rice and beans was. And everything was fantastic. Just it's, excellent. Uh, <clears throat> it's family food. I mean, I and think cheap. that any, any good food, Mexican food I've had, it involves yes. you know, our family making it. I mean, even when you came down and we made tamales, I uh. I told my father out in the Bay Area that we were going to make tamales, and so right away he went out and bought all the pork, cooked it with the peppers and and the chilies and everything, and we wound up making it out in San Francisco Bay Area, and I froze it and brought it cross country so that we could make the tamales in New York, and boy they they came out. We had as always we had a lot of food, but yeah. but the tamales and the beans were excellent. I mean, and it took, you know, it, it was a, it was an event. We had everybody out there folding and cutting up and, and that's what a lot of uh, Mexican food is about. It's about family and friends getting together and having beers and relaxing and just 
eating and eating and eating and eating. Yeah, that's what I like. And, and every time I, I think about further... And, and now that we have this show... And it's funny, though, by the time this episode comes out, we might have already <laughs> yeah, met in again. But uh, that's why you go and join the Facebook page. Because, yeah. hey, when it gets close to time to having another cookout there and, you, and you know, you're in the area, <laughs> you come over and eat. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll be posting uh, more and more pictures in the Facebook page as we get caught up with, uh, with the show and... And uh, I'll, we'll be posting pictures on there in relation to the the show that's coming out. But we do want to hear feedback on anything that you want. We'll, I'll always answer you, you know, and, and I know you will too. And um, ideas for food and Mexican food. And please, let us know. Maybe the next time we meet up, we can have a um, um, listener's recipe cookout at your house. Oh, we absolutely. Actually, you know, we, we, we pick out, well, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to pick it out of a hat because I want to pick out the stuff I want to eat the most, but so you and I will argue over which we, what, what things we should cook. Oh, no, we don't argue. We'll just cook. <laughs> we'll just cook it all. And, I think, I think uh, that uh, carnitas is probably uh, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, Mexican foods. It's just, there's a couple of ways to make it. It's just slow-cooked pork. If you want to go hardcore, you can get... You can fill up a pot with uh, with uh, lard and get some nice chunks of pork and put it in there. You can't you can't fry it. You have to cook it a little bit less heat than you would um, deep frying. You cook it until it is just about done. And my dad, we used to do this in the backyard. Right when that meat was finished, he would take a Coca Cola, milk, and honey and mix that into a glass, and then. Crazy as it sounds, he would pour this into the boiling fat slowly because it would cause it to really bubble and boil and up and crazy. over. And and when it was finally done, he would take the meat out. And it wasn't overly greasy, but it was just pull apart perfect. We had when I first came to New York, we tried to do this recipe. A friend and I in our in our uh, in our apartment where we were living and we almost burned the place down yeah, because sure. I had put that oh it's time for the honey and, and, the, and the coke and the milk and we had been drinking and, and if it wasn't for a little fire extinguisher that thing overflowed and we almost died I've but seen, we still ate it it was I, delicious I've seen there's a place near here that, that near where I work now that does carnitas and they cook them very much like shawarma or roti you know yeah. with the, with the pineapple on top of it yeah that's like a pastor yes yes but you can cook if if you're scared to use the deep fry method you can go ahead and just fill the pot with water and just cube up your pork into large chunks and just boil it with a bay leaf and some peppercorns and an orange peel and just boil it down until that water is gone and what's going to be left is is the fat from the pork and it's going to sizzle a little bit right before it's done and you just take that out and you put that in a couple of tortillas mm. with a little bit of salsa you don't need anything else that is that's just perfection that when uh when we met for acbc con in uh atlantic city we went to it and i want to say the place was named ponchos but it was a little hole in the wall place that hero had found that you know, and as soon as I started reading about it and saw a couple YouTube videos of people who are like, check out this place and saw the way the people were cooking behind the and that they really didn't speak English at all. 
<laughs> oh, I, so they had enough to get the order through, but and that that they were rolling out the f corn tortillas for order on a on a you know just throwing them on the on the flat top, and uh, the carnitas there were just amazing. Yeah, there's nothing like a good corn tortilla for your taco. If you're using the if you're using taco shells, oh god, I can't I can't blame you if that's okay. all. Okay. Uh, I, I, they, I'd, I guess ra they I'd rather use the like Ortega hard crunchy taco shells than the the even though the 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 small soft taco shells. You know what I mean? The flour mm -hmm. taco shells. Those are okay too. I mean, they're not bad. But I'd rather have I, I, the crunchy. I mean, to me, a taco shell, like after working at, at Maria's for so long, was you take a corn tortilla, you throw it on the flat top, and you toast it just enough to where it starts to air bubble a little bit on either side, and then you toss it in the fryer for That's perfect. five, That's six, insane. seven seconds. Not very long, just long enough. You can see it blow up like a balloon. And it'll just start to get a little crispy, but it's still it's still pliable. It's almost a little rubbery, you know. It's almost a little, but uh, you know, you have to get it to a certain point so it will hold up to having some some juicy meat in it. But that's what I picture a taco shell as now, you know. Something you yeah, gotta yeah. sort of work a little bit. You gotta you chew do. through uh, it a little bit to <clears throat> get through. One thing we like to make out here is flautas, which is you take mm. your corn tortilla. Oh. And you, and you get a cookie sheet, okay? And then you spray each side of the corn tortilla with just a little bit of, uh, like, Pam. Mm -hmm. Or throw it in the oven for maybe about a minute. You take those out, and then you put your meat in there, and that makes them pliable. And you can roll them, put a toothpick in them, and then throw them in a deep fryer or in a cast iron pan with some oil for just about maybe five or six minutes. Roll them around a little bit, put them out, paper towel them. Man, those things are the best. Amazing, you yes. Never had anything like that. You can almost eat the toothpick. No, we, ne we never served flautas at the restaurant because they were too in labor-intensive. Yeah, they are. Per, per order, but we used to make them for ourselves, and the owner made really good flautas, and he was very skilled at being able to put cheese in them without melting all the cheese out of it and cooking it all the way. So you would still get them with cheese inside of them when he when he made flautas. That's when I learned the difference of here's the Mexican food we serve to the public, and here's the Mexican food that the boss makes because he just has to have it. And then he tells all his friends, and they come to the back door and get it. Beef cheeks oh, yeah. were like that. The first oh, the first beautiful. year that I worked there, and he did cheeks. I was hor mortified. <laughs> There's no way I'm eating beef cheeks, but I was fascinated by the process of it. But then, you know, by the second year, I was adventurous enough, so I was like, bring on the beef cheeks, and oh my god, beef cheeks are good. So, well, so tender. Have you ever, he, he would well, do each serving of them would be done in a, in a bag of aluminum foil. So we would make up these bags of aluminum foil with the beef cheeks, in, you know, the, the portion of beef cheeks in them, the, the so sprinkled um, um, spices, uh, bay leaf, and uh, wrap them up in the aluminum foil, and then we'd like, like you were doing tortillas, you'd pile them up in a giant pot with on bricks with some that water in the bottom and form. steam them all day. <clears throat> that is, would, uh, 
barbacoa, which is now my dad is quite the he loves to to kid around. My old man does. So I think when we were still in, I might have been, we were at, probably we were in high school. Maybe I was a senior. Or I just graduated. All the kids hung out at my house. So my father went and got two cow heads, which you could buy the whole head, you know, cleaned and everything, and wrapped them in foil, just like you said. Put them in a big pot, steamed them all day long. All right. When they were done, he took all the meat off of the cow head, which is a surprising amount of meat on a I'm cow sure, head. Yeah. Beaks and it's a lot of meat. Okay. And he just cleaned it up really good, chopped it all up, made a sauce, and then made those flautas and had all my friends over. Must have been about six or seven guys over. And he made a bit, must have been about 60 or something or 70 flautas. And man, these guys were eating those things, going, man, this is the best thing I ever had in my life. And they ate, one guy ate seven or eight. And. Finally, when everyone was done eating, my old man went in the back and brought out this platter covered in aluminum foil. And he goes, all right, fellas, it's time for dessert. He takes off the foil and there's these two cow skulls looking at him. And they were real quiet for a second. And they said, don't tell us we ate that. And we're like, yeah, you did. <laughs> and, and half of goes, well, goddamn, it was, it was good. It was good, man. But I wish you would have told me you were eating, we were eating cow head. Yeah, and then you never would have eaten it. I've got pictures. I'll post them. Still of that day, it was that people still talk about it. Yeah, I was uh, I was I was scolding one of my young young coworkers who was getting getting all snobby about head cheese, and I'm like, listen, oh, it, it, and I'm like, hey, look, what do you want to do? Throw out that meat? Somebody's eating it, you know. You didn't throw out that stuff. Right. I mean, exactly. You know. You it, could. It, I I I don't I I I still like. I'm not a, I'm not a super brave. I would I would have a little trouble eating the face meat like the tongue. Yeah, the tongue. The li- livers even a little like makes me a little squirmy. You I'm know, not a big any, any kind of menudo-y intestine <laughs> sort of thing. Does it does it menudo? The smell of it is what does it to me. The smell of cooking menudo makes my stomach just go nope. Turns right off. Um, oh, it makes my stomach happy. It made a lot of pe- people. That was one of the backdoor foods that we used to make. That, oh, I like, bet. He would Sunday make, morning. When, when he made menudo, there, yeah, there were people coming to the back door, cracked out for his menudo, and and oh. I would have to. He would make up the menudo, and then I would have to sit with a, uh, um, a bunch of little side cups, and make up a little. Each side cup had to have a little bit of dried uh, oregano. And some salt and pepper thrown in it, and that was people would dash that on top of the menudo. But it, it was very important to them that they had a little, oh, little side of oregano and salt you're, and pepper with each order. Perfect. I mean, for those of you that don't really know what menudo is, it, it is a Mexican tripe soup. Uh, it's got hominy in there and uh you know uh, stomach and and the nasty bits it has cow hoof usually if it's done right his, his uh, didn't have hoof in it no well if you boil the cow it, it releases a collagen that makes it really really silky mm. and uh and it has onions and garlic and chili peppers that that you know give your water a nice your broth a nice orange taste 
And Sunday mornings in, in, in any hardcore Mexican household is like menudo mornings. And if I'm ever lucky enough to have a to be home on a Sunday, the first thing my dad does is he goes out to his favorite spot and brings back a big pot of menudo, and that's how we do it. And, and you were absolutely right when you said the um, onions and the cilantro and the and the crushed pepper that you have to throw in there and squeeze a little lime in there. Oh man! Yes, that's right. We that you're you're correct. There was also a wedge of lime that yep. we had to give him too. Oh, yeah. delicious! His, his menudo smelled. I'm just bluntly, it smelled like piss. It had a yeah. u- u- urea smell to it. And whenever I would open up that 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 bane on the steam table, and the steam would hit me, it was just like. Ooh, hot! It can be overpowering because because the stomach that they put in there is bleached usually to clean yes. it. But what you're smelling is probably that bleached smell from the uh, from the tribe that that goes in there. But I mean, when we would he would get the you know he would get the full stomachs and then I mean and yeah and that was after I can't remember it was probably two days of he would do the he would rinse them you know yeah oh he had to clean them really they good, would yeah. they would they would sit in the in the walk-in cooler in a giant uh, plastic container full of water and then you know every very regularly you would take the water out dump it fill it back up with some more water back into the walk-in cooler you know filled with ice cold water and then and just this process of and then the day that he was cooking it it would he just had the pot with a with a big stomach just sitting in there in the water yeah i'm i'm guessing that because of where you're from you couldn't just go out and buy that already prepared so he had to prepare it himself he I had mean. to right he had to he he would he only did the tripe once or the the menudo once in a while and the cheeks once in a while because it was a pain in the ass he'd have to yeah. he'd have to order up the or sometimes you know the butcher that he knows would go hey man you need <laughs> cheeks now's the time to buy some cheeks you know yeah uh, well you know, i know someone stomach. who needs some cheeks that Duarte yeah. guy <laughs> the, the stomach over here where i come from it's readily available bleached you don't have to do anything to it so um, I'm thinking that if you had some major... We have a the- big Italian population here, so it's probably... He could probably have gotten it already processed, but he probably also... You know, to him, cooking was about feeding people, and it was a family yeah. thing. It wasn't... It was his business, and he was a cheapskate in a owner sort of way, in an awesome sitcom sort of character way. But it was all about the food, so I think... He probably bought it as close to just like the way his mom used to buy it, and it was fun and comforting and for him to to go through the whole process, you know. And oh, yeah. he also liked telling people, showing people how it was, you know. He was he was passing on what his mom passed on to him, so he always it, it was it was it was awesome. I think I would have liked this guy. I love working at ethnic restaurants, and and that was the most. That was the best. That that was the best one. I've always. I'm still try. I still try to get into Indian restaurants every once in a while. They will not hire me in the they kitchen. Will. <laughs> they will not hire me in the kitchen. Only as a waiter, and and I don't feel like being a waiter for the amount of time that it would take to ingratiate myself into a kitchen. Even though I would make good money, uh, being a waiter, I'd rather I'd rather be around the food than. <laughs> oh. Don't blame the customers. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I do not blame you. 
Well, I'm saying with Mexican food, we need to stick a pin in this because there's oh, so yep. so many things. We could do just something. We need that. to bust this piñata. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we could do a show on uh, just on Taco Bell uh, and all the on Taco Bell and Chili's and what's Moe's Cantina and, and and that would be fun. I like busting on Moe's. I hate that place. I don't think oh, I have Chipotle's. Moses, well, it's one of those places where they make all the employees embarrass the hell out of themselves. You know, when you when you walk in, they have to all turn around and go, "Hi, welcome to Moes," in a very enthusiastic way, and they have, you know, my my butthole is puckering right now. I'm probably not going to be able to go to the bathroom just hearing that story for a week. All to get, you know, fairly workmanlike Mexican food. So it's not. I don't. I don't. I don't like watching people have to prostate them. Prostrate. Prostrate. Yeah. I. I. I, I get prostate and prostrate mixed up. I really shouldn't do that. That's. Uh, yeah. Two, any two restaurant you don't want to mix with, up. <laughs> yeah. Any restaurant that comes and sings "Happy Birthday" at your table too, I find annoying. Well, speaking of prostate, prostrate. Ah prostate it's time to go into the the next portion and uh the porno portion and oh, we'll see you on the right. other side <clears throat> now that you fast forwarded through this you sick bastards <laughs> konnichiwa chow hounds maury clawhammer san here you might remember the explosive taqueria well apparently plain old authentic mexican food ain't enough to make you stupid hipsters happy so due to Yelp reviews in an obscure tax shelter, I'd like to announce my Mexican-Chinese fusion joint, Chimichangs! We took everything you loved about the explosive taqueria and infused it with an adventuresome Asian flair. Traditional, yet completely cutting edge. Now we've brought in a new hip young Chinese chef named Hip Young. My name is David. I'm from Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He works together with our Mexican master Manuel to fuse together the essence of two cultures, and then they serve it to you on a stupid plank of wood. Try our gut-pummeling Hirohito burrito. Two pounds of meat, or it's free. Type of meat subject to Jimmy Chang's discretion. The hente-inspired tentacle taco. Our patented sushi-rito, a rice tortilla crammed with an enchanting and proprietary medley of raw seafood and a side of our fiery Aztec ghost pepper-infused wasabi paste. Waiting to be seated? Why not stroll over to our bar and meet our mechanical bartender, Mr. Baracho, handcrafted by them crafty Japanese. He can spray your favorite happy beverage straight into your waiting gullet. No glasses required. Tequila from the left hand, sake from the right. You'll be saying, Domo Arigato, Mr. Baracho, as you stumble home. So get your lazy ass over to Chimmy Chang's, 312 Elm Street, south of Monzaville, right across the street from Arnie's Chicken Hall. Remember, when south of the border meets the Far East, it's so good you won't even know where the hell you are. Hello and welcome to Beat It, the second part of a dual podcast with food and porn, the part that you fast forward to first before listening to the food part. I know you do. I'm here with my co-host, Frederick Loincloth. Hello. You can call me Loiny. Loiny. No, I won't, though. <laughs> I can, <laughs> but I won't. My name's Tijuana. Tijuana what? Tijuana, take your mother to the gangbang. Yes, you do. And if there's Dr. Dirty fans out there, well, we'll play a little Dr. Dirty right here. 
Your mother has lunch meat in her ass crack. Just undo my zipper and free Willie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sister has foreskin in her braces. And there you go. That's uh, Dr. Dirty. Mr. It's John dirty. Balby. But today we are going south of the border, but not really. No. South not of the border really. in name only. We are covering the infamous, and for you young people, probably never heard of them. Tijuana Bibles. They're actually uh, before our time. They really are. I was not embarrassed to, to say that I knew nothing about the Tijuana Bibles. You know how they I, say it's not your granddaddy's porn? Well, this is your granddaddy's porn. Yeah, this porn. is your great day. I, I knew nothing about this until I was doing some of the hard-hitting research that this mm -hmm. show that requires, you know, yeah, in the dark, on the internet. Uh, and I came across it, and I had mentioned to you, hey, uh, man, do you know anything about these Tijuana Bibles? Of course I do! So, bang, there you go. It's Tijuana Bibles today. So uh, I'm assuming that, that a good number of you probably don't know about Tijuana Bibles. Well, they had different names. Yeah, they, they did. They... I actually I actually have. They were called the Eight Pagers, Two by Fours, Graybacks, Bluesies, mm -hmm. JoJo Books, or you could just... Just call them fuck books, really. Um, dirty little why, comics. Yeah, dirty little comics. Um, everyone, just close your eyes and put out your hands and don't get gross on us. But I want you to imagine a piece, a pamphlet, uh, for uh, you know, a, a small little book about four inches wide by maybe three inches high. Maybe like about the size of one of those chick. Yeah, that, that I get. actually have that. It's very close to which I think deserves a show in itself. Anyway, yes. the big pamphlets. But you know, the the covers were slightly made of slightly uh, you know thicker paper, and uh, they ranged from most of them were eight pages long. You could get into some that were maybe ten or even sixteen, and there were even a few thirty-two pagers out there. But for the most part, they were they were about eight pages long, and would would you say that they they were actually I think from what I've read these were you could almost say they were the first comic books because before that comics were just were just reprinted newspaper uh, comic strips that were put out Th these were actually eight pages of a story one panel each so it's almost as if these filthy little things were the grand great great grandparents of the format that we yeah. know and love today as comic books there was the, the, the i mean the, the yeah you, you would find um what looked like comic books in in those days and like you said they would be just reprints and sometimes they would be hardbound books you know you'd find a, a jigs and maggie compilation and stuff but like you said they would be you know flat off the the Sunday comics page so they would just be they weren't being made for that purpose and you would find little I, I remember I found it in an antique shop probably from 1915 to 1920 it was probably printed you know turn of the century early turn of the century and it was a sequence of cards with uh, um, uh, a crow 
that breaks into a house and and starts drinking the the liquor that the the owners have left out and then you know it leads to him hanging himself accidentally on a on a bit of uh embroidery string and, and and it was a series of cards but it was basically a sequential art story and uh yeah, I, I I would think these are they were they were you know they were more of the pamphlet variety, but uh, and 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 funny, which is comics have always been sort of a kitty, more so in America than any place else, a kitty sort of format. To think that some of the first comics were definitely not for the kitties. They were they were hardcore, full penetration <laughs> pornography. And and if you look at them today. The first thing you do is is you're I, I want to say you're like wow because these are hardcore. I mean, you would not so, see these in Play, no. Playboy Penthouse or even Hustler Absolutely. magazine. Not even today. I mean, no, you would, no, no, you not would, today. You would. Uh, we're so we we see pictures all the time now of hardcore stuff. It, it doesn't phase us, but when you see it drawn as a cartoon, it 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 really in a really wildly exaggerated style yeah, i mean exactly. you know, everybody's I mean, penis is a foot long and yeah and you know they took uh your your common uh your most popular cartoon strips of the day and movie stars uh and they would implement you know they would do these stories about them <laughs> and and uh, it it really, it was really something. These books cost about two dollars at the time, and that's like five loaves of bread. They had the heyday from the late twenties up until uh, they they tapered off at after the end of World War II. Um, but I, I think that these books were probably, for many many kids, probably the first you know glimpses they got of of you know nudes. Oh, you uh, know we, they were finding these when they oh, were going absolutely. through their uncles stuff or their dad's stuff yeah you know and they were basically sold you know under the counter you could find them out of the back of cars or in overcooked pockets schoolyards barber shops uh cigar stores basically anybody who could get to a printer and get them printed yeah, could yeah you could and they, they were saying people would do it like you know for the elks club to raise a little money for for an event or for a person who needed some money you know <laughs> Or the mob just doing it for profit? <laughs> oh no, it was uh, an artist could get you know as much as three dollars a page from what I've sent to draw these these comics, and and there aren't very many artists known. Uh, Art uh, Spiegelman has uh, a, a great intro to one of the books that I got on the Tijuana Bibles, and and he says that he labeled one of the artists uh, Mr. Prolific because yes. he was he was incredible i mean i'm saying that you've probably seen this guy's artwork and and he easily could have made a living doing anything he, he wanted might, he to. probably he was, was he probably he was, was good yeah he was probably doing he was probably doing comics for plenty of other places too but you know and once again this is the sort of thing they did not want their names on these they no, did they not didn't. want people it would be the death of their whole career but at the same time you know you had to had to eat and at yeah. the same time they were also like the guys that did comics it's, it's i mean i would be a hundred percent down of it there's the whole like these are subversive you know yeah. these are the, the, there was fine you know there's no way during this time period where you could hold this up in public and have an argument about how it was okay first oh, amendment absolutely not. 
sexual I mean, freedom, nothing like that. These were no. these were an affront to yeah. and, everything. Holy. And they still are. I mean, you look at them today, and you're going, "Wow!" And that's what w- did you really see the Donald me. Duck one? I I I did see the Donald Duck where he was <laughs> him and Minnie were getting it. No, getting there was a Donald Duck one where he goes to to Pluto who's the pimp and he's like look I'm a duck I've got this painful erection that I can't get rid of and I need to get laid and there's no ducks around can you get me a duck and Pluto's like yeah I don't have much call for ducks but I know somebody who might be able to help you and takes him to this guy the guy's like yeah I'll, I'll set you up and uh, and so he sets him up with this duck and it turns out to be another male duck and Donald has to think for a second and he's like all right, I'll let you blow me. And then he then he ends up he's doing the other duck up the butt and he's like, "Listen, listen, I I see what type of guy you are, but I'm not that type of guy, so I'll let you blow me and uh, you know, I'll 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 bugger your old butthole here, but uh, I'm not going to blow you cuz I'm not that kind of guy." Oh, what? With Donald Duck. At that time period, even at any time period with Donald Duck, with a Disney character, but in the 20s or 30s, with that subject matter, I mean, and and, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, a lot of these were meant for the guy, you know, you know, Joe Salesman's in his car. Yeah, he's in the hotel room at night. He's got to beat off before he goes to bed. Well, whip out one of these books and see what uh, Dagwood and Blondie are up to, you know? And, and everybody and wanted people, to see everybody wanted to see Blondie naked. This is Donald Duck with an erection. Yeah. I think that these guys are beaten off to that. So what's yeah, the topic of well, it's it's you know, that's an intense topic. That's an intense little eight page comic that's not even gonna make your well, it maybe it'll make some people's dick hard, but you know, yeah. that's hey, you know, whatever man, whatever if you're in the your ducks. boat duck man. You know, I think the people nowadays they don't understand how just how important comics were back in the day in the 20s and 30s and 40s i mean when you open the newspaper the first thing that almost anyone went to was the comics pages so they were they play and even when i was a kid i mean i would go to the to the newspaper comics every day when the paper came i yeah, had comic yeah, yeah, books yeah. now there aren't very many comics that i would even i wouldn't even waste my time looking at the newspaper comics if there's hardly any left it's been but very disappointing the few times lately that i've gone to the comics section in the newspaper yeah. <clears throat> But it was such a big thing, and you know, people wanted they they wanted to see what Blondie and Dagwood did you know, when they weren't uh, on their paper every day. They and wanted to see what Mae West only exactly. hinted at in their movies. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had titles, and, and a couple of titles were dopey. He doesn't have to talk. <laughs> and then we saw one. There were know, Robert oh, Mitchum ones. Yeah, and Mahatma Gandhi. We just looked at that one Mahatma the other day. Mahatma Gandhi and I'll eat and, my share. <laughs> I'll eat my share. Dick Tracy's dick. Yeah. Mickey Mouse. There was, yeah, there was one. There was one Dick Tracy one that seemed to really get around called Dick Tracy in Disguise. <laughs> that that uh, I've seen a lot of variations of in in my research travels of it yeah the the Mahatma Gandhi one I found and I sent you the the that that one was going on yeah, eBay 75 for $75 for bucks for that one because I was like I wonder if if you can get and I'm like thinking I'm knowing I'm gonna look them up on eBay they're gonna be expensive 
But hey, you can get ones for ten, twelve dollars, maybe eight dollars if you're lucky. But those, and, and but then when you start getting into the name ones or the ones that involve like the World's Fair, there was a whole series of World's Fair ones with a really interesting style of art in them. You know, sort of um, art decoy almost sort of look to them. The, and those go for those start hitting like hundred and seventy-five dollars and stuff like that. And then I started noticing, ah, there's a lot of them in the twelve to twenty-dollar range, and they look really good. You know, they have the cardboard on them looks. It, it you know, you see you, when you start looking at a lot of pictures of these things, you start getting a feel for how you know the the they they have a sort of like brightly colored, like blue or pink or purple. Uh, cardboard cover and I'm and I in my reading there'd been a, a few illusions as to you know they were printing some of these and, and reprinting them into the 90s so I'm thinking a lot of those 12 to 20 dollar ones might be like 90s printings and stuff and then I started thinking to myself does it really fucking matter when they're from they're the exact same thing and even if you're like making fake ones you can't make bootleg Tijuana Bibles. They're bootleg no. by definition. So if there's... They absolutely. So, so if somebody's making fake Tijuana Bibles and selling them and people are like, hey, you made these, so what? <laughs> They're Tijuana Bibles. They, they might legitimate. be worth less. You can yeah. make them worth less than 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 a Tijuana, than an old Tijuana Bible that doesn't have the provenance of it. But it's almost like the provenance isn't the important part. It's the idea of them. When uh, all this research has made me like, I want to make Tijuana Bibles, but they wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to sell them. You know, you'd no, be able to no. sell them for, for, to a few people who'd want them for quirk value, you know? Yeah, exactly. But not the way like in, like in the thirties or forties, you could go print yourself up a box full of Tijuana Bibles, go over to the factory during lunch hour and probably be the most popular guy in the world. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and at, two bucks, money. at two bucks a pop, I mean, that that was during the Depression. Well, that wasn't exactly like well, they, they were saying, yeah, they were saying they went as low as a quarter to a dollar that to two dollars. sense for but me. A quarter even then, you know, that's more that was probably more than that was probably like five or six full blown life magazines, you know. Yeah, you're not going to get Donald Duck banging Minnie, though. In a life <laughs> no, not not in life, ma not in life magazine. <laughs> So you, yeah, you pay, you, you get what you pay for. <laughs> but there were so many. I mean, they they had movie stars of the day. They would sometimes change the name to Joan Crawfoot or Gert Garbo. Mae West had one of the rare sixteen-page epic ones. Because it's Mae uh, West, it's going to take yeah, twice yeah. as long. Clark Gable was into him. Benny Goodman was the topic of one that was called "Swing on This," <laughs> which I thought. Uh, Charlie McCarthy um, using a wooden one was what mm -hmm. it was called. And they went everywhere, everyone from Jesse James to John Dillinger, Dillinger to Lou Gehrig. I mean, it was... Well, John John Dillinger, I would like to get a John Dillinger one because John Dillinger has whole legends behind him. And one of his legends was that he had, you know, a gigantic penis and was a super ladies man. So, of course, there ha and and... He was he was also like a beloved outlaw too. Yeah. So yeah. who better to put into something like a Tijuana Bible? And which and and I don't think we've addressed like they call them Tijuana Bibles. They're not coming from Mexico. 
No, there, there was there was. I've never heard anybody mention in any of the stuff that they they made these in Mexico. The, some of the early ones said "made in Cuba" in them. Yeah, you the got Cuba. Days. That just Paris. means the mob. <laughs> then, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, things that came from Mexico at the time were were considered. You know, so much other stuff was coming from Mexico. Those probably bootleg, like booze or what have you. You know, and so Tijuana Bible was just a perfect name. I, I and and it sort of it sort of in a racist way made it seem more seedy. You know, yeah, Coming yeah, from yeah. across the border in Tijuana. Instead, you would think the natural way, the natural way they would have gone with it was call them like French funnies or something like that. Because some of them were coming from France, actually. At like where the dirty postcards would come from, where, where a lot of the porn was coming from in those days was France, because they were just like, hey, it's France. It's there's there's that place in France where the l- naked ladies dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah. Were... So it, uh, it's weird that they had to had to blame it on the Mexicans, but you know, blame everything on the Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Now I'm holding this up to the light, going like, hey, Mexicans, you should take credit for this. <laughs> Yeah, they had their after World War II. They did they did uh, taper off though, and but I can imagine that, like you said, Elks clubs and lodges, and they were probably these things. And in a way, where men gathered. Yeah, and (laughs) in a way, you know, you can still. uh, I would think that these were kind of and like to know what you think that these were almost an early, early, early form of fan fiction. You know. Oh, for sure. Oh, these are, these are slash fiction. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And and that's that was what I got from a lot of them. I mean, not that I would want to see what what Blondie and Dagwood were doing. Well, they have a, a lot of the same trappings of fan fiction: yeah, silliness, um, bad bad writing, horrible spelling. There's one guy oh. that um, Art Spiegelman dubbed Mister uh, Dyslexic. Yeah, who is a really good artist, really poor speller, (laughs) terrible speller, terrible Terrible, speller. But but people didn't want to; they didn't really care about the spelling. That wasn't that wasn't what it was all about. Huge pecker, you're fine. You don't need to worry about the spelling. But you know, but the uh, Mr. Prolific, absolutely terrific artwork. I mean, just I got the idea that sometimes these guys drew these, and then as they got printed. I would wonder if there's versions of them without dialogue or with different dialogue. They're very so, well could be. Because sometimes the like dialogue and the writing and the the word balloons seem like they were drawn made by a non-artist. You know, yeah. an artist usually has uh, has um, is pretty good at keeping their letters straight, lettering <laughs> in general. And you see it, and it's it's. Handwriting in those days, people really learned good handwriting. You know, they really learned sharp, anal retentive handwriting. And when you see people's autograph books and people do their, and people yeah. print out a little poem that it's like this, you know, meticulously crafted text. And not in these. This it's like scrawled out like the guy had five minutes before they busted down the door to write. Well, it I can down see. And, I can see that some mob guy or whatever would come mm-hmm. in to some guy. I want you to draw me eight pages of Flash Gordon screwing a duck. All right, yeah. no problem. And they, I'll worry about. I'll worry about. The, I'll write the stuff and don't worry because it's a great. They great don't need. A, they they don't need any kind of like no. text to them. 
but then they were like, ah, we got to get some dirty talk in here because. Yeah. And, and it not only is it dirty talk, it's a great mirror onto uh, onto the, the lingo of the time. Yes. Because you're reading it and you're going, holy shit. You know, a sea captain, a poop deck pappy is going to go pearl fishing. Or, or, or she'll walk into a room and go, you look like the last whore to leave a clam bake. And, and people <laughs> talking dirty now think they're really cutting edge. Oh, nah, it ain't. Oh, it's they been had around forever and as filthy as you want it to be. Go, you know, I, I anybody who's just like, well, uh, filthy talk and stuff, it's just like, yeah, yeah, go read some Marquis de Sade and come back and tell me how you filthy know we nothing. talk these days. Yeah. You yeah. know nothing. And it, and a lot of them were just were just a series of, of just, you know, quips and jokes, you know, that they would say to each other during sex. Uh I actually had, uh, I actually printed out one of them. Uh, it was called the Radio Repairman, and uh, pretty much it goes like this. I'm going to read it, just because I, I, it gives me a chance to do old timey talk. This is which, like in the old days when Mayor yeah. Fiorella LaGuardia used to read the exactly. This is exactly. To, to so this is people. called the Radio Repairman. So you get the he comes in. Uh, uh, let me get my tool out, and the lady would say, "You're tapping on a live wire. Suck it's a little too tight." I'm going to broadcast in stereo. My tube is getting hot. No static in my reception. Nope, nothing wrong with your cabinet. Better sign off. Glad you like my wavelength. And that was it. Yeah, t- if they did one today, it would pic- be the IT guy and there'd be dongle jokes in there. Yeah, exactly. You know, or the pool, well, pool cleaner, not too much, but yeah. And that was it. That's eight pages of, of pretty much what you're getting. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And I can imagine, if, if I if I thought I would get in trouble if my parents would find like a Playboy or something under my mattress, I can't imagine what a 11-year-old kid, the kind of trouble he would get into if he, if their That's parents... why they're teeny tiny. Oh, absolutely. You can put them inside another book. I mean, I'm sure gr- yeah, like the walls of garages and stuff are probably still to this day somewhere stuffed with these things. But you know what? I have never seen one out in the wild. Neither have I. I've but, seen them oh, in antique shops, which I've I don't never, consider out in the wild, but I've never come across a, a pile of them in a garage. And at garage sales, it depend if 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 somebody would be comfortable enough to peddle Tijuana Bibles at their garage sale, they probably already know what the Tijuana Bibles are, and they're 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 probably not going to sell them at the garage sale, you know. And if they don't know what Tijuana Bibles are, they probably don't want to put them out because they're they don't want anybody to see anything like that at their garage sale. And I and or they I, don't want to get rid of them. I mean, I I found or I, I I yeah well yeah if there's someone ooh. like me I would be yeah I would keep them forever. I mean I found pass them on uh, to my children. I was going through my great grandfather's trunk um, about ten years ago or so, and I found a couple of pages, uh, two pages from from what they have to be Tijuana Bibles, so the right size and shape. And I didn't know what they were, so I just glued them into a scrapbook along with a bunch of recipes and it wasn't until i started doing the research for this that i said hey wait a minute and i went back to the scrapbook and damned if there weren't two pages that he had say he tramped around the united states back in the 30s and uh there they were two pages that he had torn out from tijuana bibles one of them is a is a rube goldberg type machine for satisfying a woman 
and the other one is is just a just a page with a guy with a huge long <laughs> and he's saying something but it's kind of faded i can't read it but kind I was out, of, out of context yeah I, yeah. not, my, I'm surprised. My dad might have turned some up when we we're when I was a kid. I just never saw them. You know, they they might have gone, gone, gotten bought and sold, and I never got a chance to dig them up in the junk room, or they were too graphic, and he kept them somewhere really hidden, really well. Um, but yeah, he would turn up. Vibe. He would turn up. Uh, you know, a few little filthy trinkets from that time period every once in a while. Like I remember once he had a bunch of dirty coins, and dirty they had they, they were coins, and and on one side it was a lady with her boobs out, and it said heads I win, and on the back it had her ass, and it said tails you lose, <laughs> and um, keychains. Yeah, no, don't forget uh, about card decks, decks of cards. With, lots with of lots of cards of decks, decks of cards. You know, French playing cards, um, yeah. and the, there were keychains. Back in the day, that were little little um, mechanisms of people doing it doggy style. Some of them I had, I I I have a doggy style one, and then I have a one with a guy in the front of the girl, a guy on the back of the girl, and two little pegs at the bottom. When you move it, it's like work. It's like a. It looks like a small version of like um oh what the hell do they call them that you put in your yard that the wind blows and <laughs> like a wind wind blower thing that moves yeah 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 they they, they move with the same you know you have the guy sawing a log or something yeah. like that but <laughs> this one is definitely not sawing a log <laughs> and 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 i still got a couple of those that i recovered from my that were still in my dad's stashes and one was it's probably got to be from the the 20s it's a very nice casting in bronze of, and it's like a two-part little sculpture, probably about six inches long when you put the two of two women, basically 69ing, but very beautiful art deco sort of sculpture, sort of stuff like that. So that was more on the erotica scale. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that these, that these were incredibly repressed times and and, <laughs> yes. and and i think that that you didn't you you got your stimulation where you could be it honestly i don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much for being not repressed yeah. <laughs> not similarly exactly. repressed now but this, this is not you know this is not our father's porn no this is this is our this was our grandfather's grandpa uh, and great-grandpa were dirty exactly, yeah exactly great-grandpa like i said this is and you know I had no idea these things existed until I, I had asked you, and of course you set me straight on. Oh, hey, now, yeah. now that we, I, anyway, I, I've done comic book podcasts and and you know Star Trek and Star Wars compact comic podcasts and on all those topics, and people send me Star Wars stuff and comic books. Anybody feels like sending Dar- Dario and I? Uh, yep. <laughs> some, Tijuana Bibles. Some of their t- you got a big pile of Tijuana Bibles, and and you're really not comfortable having them in your house with your kids. You could send them to us, and yep, and we'll I and I, I gotta tell you, you know, yeah, they go for like some of them might go for a lot of money on eBay. Don't worry, I won't sell your Tijuana yeah. Bibles. <laughs> If you got eBay. the Gandhi one, send it to me. Send actually, to me. actually, I encourage you to sell them on on <laughs> eBay. But if you feel weird about I... if you feel weird about all that and and making auctions, 
send them to us we will give them a, we will give them a good home yeah yeah they definitely will be in a good home because i would love to, to see one i'll, I'll a, keep them till the day i die because it's yeah. the just as a cultural artifact they're the most amazing <laughs> things in the world they can I, they can be part of the honeywell collection someday when you donate them to some to some museum you well know? i'll probably they'll probably go on my haunting list on ebay <laughs> where I keep my eye on it and one day I'll find an auction with like every once in a while you'll see somebody who has like 14 or 15 of them and they have a low price on them and they they list it wrong and the listing ends at 4 a.m. and I'll be up late one night editing a podcast and go like oh, I'll see what Tijuana Bibles are ending now on eBay and and maybe catch some but you know I I'm not in the <laughs> I, I'm not in the pay I mean, scale to go out we to can, start buying yeah, collections of them. We can sit here and talk about them. We can sit here and talk about them, but you really have to go online and you have to look at them. Because we can sit here and say, wow, they're really, really graphic. And they are. I mean, but I, I can't describe to you what, what they look like and get I mean, we can talk about Jugs Magazine. We can talk about you know our movies uh deep throat and 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 we know what we're talking about and you can figure that out but you have to go if you're interested go online you want to see what popeye with a two-foot erection looks like oh popeye poop deck pappy had a bigger one than popeye (laughs) well yeah he's the pappy (laughs) i just read poop poop deck pappy had one so big that it came out of her mouth after he was doing he's got my favorite song in the in the popeye movie they should make a porn movie it ain't easy being me Oh. Master of my own destiny. <laughs> oh, poop deck pappy. I'm I, to... I aim to grow into poop deck pappy someday. <coughs> it, <laughs> my it... my ultimate form would be some 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 combination of Popeye and poop deck pappy. Just grow a beard. They were the same thing with the beard. That's it. I just have to <laughs> yeah get get uh, you know eventually I'll get the eye squink. I don't know which eye I'll get it in, but I'll get the eye squink and. Uh, and and the Popeye ones go for big bucks too. Popeye ones aren't cheap, you know. Which is funny because Popeye was one of the first characters to go public domain, and anybody could do Popeye. So he was like, yeah, open season for these ones. You probably couldn't even prosecute him for. I mean, no. they got a hold of the guy who did Donald Duck. Forget no. about it. You're going to prison in those days. Absolutely. I mean, there was you know I. I read that that if you started a comic, you were kind of afraid that it was going to fail until you heard somebody was out there making a Tijuana Bible of your comic. And then you were going, all right, we've made it. We're We're there. We're going to be okay. If somebody's out there doing a a Tijuana Bible, we have made it. The only guy that didn't go, that that they seem to know that did him by name is that guy, Wesley Morse. Yes. And he did the Bazooka Joe. He did. He finished his uh, he his career doing Bazooka Joe comics, which I used to actually have a, quite a bunch of, and I used to send them away to get whatever crappy prizes you would get from yep. Bazooka. But I remember those lovingly. I I would pick them up off the street, and I would terrible comics, but but fun, you know. But they were so tiny that 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 you could get away with that horrible style. Bazooka Joes were like when you saw them. They were ripe for like blowing them up as a piece of pop art, you know, because exactly. once they blow up, you know, they have like five dots on their faces for the color. <laughs> you know, they're such yeah. so low fi. It's it's unbelievable. And on that 
crappy wax paper, weird <laughs> wax paper stuff. It was it was so amazingly awesome. I guess they still make them and still. I would like to see. And they, they always had the the prop that you could still get. You know, they had the comic, and you could still see a bunch of prizes that you you know you send in ten it's, of these or fifteen of these. It's like one of the like Bazooka Joe. It was shitty bubble gum and shitty comics. So it's like, but it's not like, say, uh, Cracker Jacks, whereas cra- Cracker Jacks, I heard Cracker Jacks just discontinued prizes inside. No, yeah, now their prizes are all online. Yeah, you their prizes are just a website. What? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's like, okay, they cheaped out. They finally, you know, age has just sold them out and ruined it. But how can you fucking cheap out on on Bazooka Joe bubblegum? You still, it's just like, just make more crappy bubblegum. And that you, it's not like you could even make the wrapper any smaller to make more profit. It's not like you can make the comics any shittier and less funny. Yeah. So, so the only thing you could do is maybe have less great prizes, you know, <laughs> I don't possible. Even think but it's really prize. more about getting the comic, comic books and chewing the crappy bubblegum. So... It's almost like you you, you, you you can't go wrong. I gotta go see some Bazooka Joes and see how bad it is. Cause it's like yeah. even if I read the comic, go, oh that's terrible. It's like all right, all right. So we're we're still on course. We're staying the course, guys. Have Bazooka Joe banging some chick on your comic strip. That way, you know, you can you might be able to sell a couple of more uh, pieces of bubble gum for God's there's sake. There's a piece. There's a there's a piece of gorilla artwork right there, Dario. Oh. Performance <laughs> art. We'll print out some print out some uh, Tijuana Bible Bazooka Joe wrappers. Wrap them up and just drop them off in the in the at the candy counters and in the bulk food bins and the <laughs> local. Hey, you know, Tijuana Bibles, they're they're. In a way, they're still out there. I mean, you can Google Marge Simpson having sex on the internet, and you're going to come up with 100 pages. You know, we've never lost There are people who are animating that stuff, too, and I'm sure we're going to cover that eventually. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're not so different from from our dirty forefathers. I mean, we still still have, you know, if if you want to see Marge Simpson having sex with with, with SpongeBob uh, SquarePants. Yeah, with Spo- it's there. It's, it's there. It's there. I have not seen Marge Simpson having sex with SpongeBob SquarePants, but I speak with full <laughs> confidence that it's just a Google <laughs> it's just a Google search away as long as you don't have any filters on your Google. <laughs> Turn all those filters off and you got SpongeBob and Marge Simpson probably in every variation. In every hole. SpongeBob yes. has a lot of holes, so Marge could put something on and she could go to town on SpongeBob, you know? Yeah. And it's still, it's and, and still people there. are like, this is, isn't this crazy? And it's like, I guess it's not crazy. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, don't think that, I don't want you out to think, oh, people back then were disgusting. No, it's still out there. It's just Tijuana Bibles are just in a different form now. Yep. You can, yep. you can. They used to be on the walls in Pompeii. <laughs> Absolutely. There were frescoes in Pompeii, and it there's no there's no. If they had printing still, presses. They are still out there. You just have to look, and they've just morphed into something else. You know, not unlike the 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 uh, dinosaur turning into the chicken. The Tijuana Bible, uh, the concept of, of that is still out there. It's still online. We have changed. Uh, they did talk dirtier than we do. You made a good point. <laughs> I think they were dirtier talkers back then. But they're still out there, and and we haven't changed all that much, if you really, really look at it. 
And I don't see us changing in the <laughs> near future. To go out and look for a Tijuana Bible, uh, check them out, and you'll agree with us. <laughs> they are probably the filthiest, or second filthiest little thing you can keep in your pocket. I'll start. I'll start a contest right now. Whoever, if, uh, how about this for a challenge? Don't just, don't just go and look up, look up some Tijuana Bibles. I know there's a few people, and and I gotta say. You don't have to be that artistically inclined. You might no, even be no. able to use a little tracing paper, if you know what I mean. I wouldn't mind seeing like some new Tijuana Bibles. If 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 people send us in some Tijuana Bibles, maybe we'll have a best Tijuana Bible contest. Absolutely, we we will. Do, I I don't see why not, man. <laughs> yeah, I want people's homemade Tijuana Bibles anyway. So. I'll start a contest so they can send send them to me, and then when I get enough of them, I will declare my house the Tijuana Bible, the the International Tijuana Bible Archive and gain I tax think exempt I think status. <laughs> the Church of Tijuana Bibles. Yes, they're ready for a comeback. South of the border. <laughs> oh God, they are ready for a comeback, and get them to us before they build that wall, folks. Because when they do, we're not going to get them. They're going to have to send drones over the walls and drop, <laughs> drop them on us like we do with North Korea now. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, folks. I'm not telling you what we're doing next time because we don't know. And you know what I'm thinking? From now on, we're not telling you till we show up. Yep. That, like like that dirty uncle that comes every once in a while for dinner. I've we're been just doing there. The, I've been doing the Photoshop art for our shows. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to try to give clues through each episode from the from the art for each episode so so you can get the new episode look at the art and go like hmm this has something to do with <laughs> milk <laughs> of course and please go to the facebook page and uh let us know your thoughts or ideas for shows recipes tijuana bibles anything you want to post um we're open to anything feedback good or bad please yep yep there's a and there's a two true freaks facebook page and two true is where you find us and on itunes now because we have our itunes feed all set up and everything we are official we are so leave us a review we love it we want it and you do too you dirty bastards oh you filthy filthy oh oh <laughs> you're gonna get it have yourself a taco <laughs> and, 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 and Google Tijuana Bibles before you go to bed tonight. And uh, you'll be, like I said, sleeping You'll go to bed a lot back. later or a you'll little be earlier. Sleeping on your back, folks.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.